0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hi, Bill. Yes, I arrived at your home safe and sound. Oh, yeah, and I dropped off your kids at Mom and Dad's. But Dad said you should visit more often. Oh, Muffin, she's doing just fine. She did run around like crazy a bit when I first got here, but she seems to have settled. No, Bill, no one is coming over. Mm, But maybe I'm going to a wild party later on. I might meet a nice guy. Who knows? Now, Bill, I realize you're 10 years older than me, but that still makes you my brother, not my father. Yeah, go ahead and put her on. Thanks. Hi, sweetie. How's my favorite sister-in-law? Yeah, I know. I just can't help it. I have to push his buttons. He just asks the stupidest questions like, Are you going out with anyone? Are you having a wild party? Is there going to be any beer left? Yeah, it's like my brother doesn't even know me at all. Just because I'm single doesn't mean he has to project these wild behaviors about my life. Yes, actually, things have been tough at work. The economy is just killing us. I have a meeting with the VPs and the directors Monday morning to start planning at yet another restructure. Yeah, I'll be watching the debate tonight. Maybe we'll start to see some answers to this. same old, same old. Tomorrow? Well, I think I need to look at my own financial plan. My budget is getting stretched and my 401K is getting hammered. I have some restructuring I tend to do of my own. I was just curled up on the couch with my Bible doing some reading for my life group. Maybe I'll get to the answers to some of this stuff going on in my life, which reminds me it's time to run off to my wild party. The life group's going to get a real chuckle out of this one. Yes, I love you too, sis. Bye-bye.
1: Good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Ron, and if I didn't get a chance to meet you at a previous church service, I'd be hanging out in the lobby afterwards, and I would love uh, to get to meet you personally before you get out of here. And uh, So let me give you a couple things uh, for the lay of the land if you haven't been here before. On the inside of your program, there's a a sheet of notes that's uh, obviously missing some words. There are blanks in there on purpose. And uh, that's for you to fill in. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, This is a church where everybody comes to learn. That includes me. And I'm going to tell you about some things that God has been speaking to me about, even about this subject that we're talking about this morning. Because the real story of church is people getting connected with God. And when people get connected with God, their lives change. My life changes Week after week after week, my life changes because I'm on a spiritual journey with God. So even if this is your first time or maybe you're from out of town and this is the only time you're going to get to be with us, at least take a step forward in your spiritual journey today. Ask God to speak into your life so that when you leave this place, you will be a better human being than when you came. That's his goal for you. That's my goal for you. And uh, so uh, filling out the blanks and taking that home and maybe reading through it one time during the week and just kind of going back over in your mind the concepts, all of those things will help move you along on your spiritual journey. So we're in the middle, as Justin and Bob both talked about, we're in the middle of a series of sermons on the family. And you notice that it says family, making it great, and the great was crossed out, and we we put in the word work because most of us would just be delighted if we could actually get our families to work. And if we could get them to work, well, then we'll go work on making them great. But if we could get them to work uh, to prepare the coming generation for life as adults, to, to create this safe and nurturing place for every member of the family, and if we could find a way to cope with the stresses of life together and not have it blow the family up. If our families could do do those three things, uh, boy, they would actually do what they're supposed to do. Now, so far, we've talked to dad, talked to mom, talked about marriage, talked about parenting. Last week, we talked about teens. Today, we're going to talk about single people. Let me give you a little bit of my background. A few years ago, when I was on the staff of a church in Portland, Oregon, the senior pastor came to me and said, would you be willing to start a ministry to single people, develop it and grow it? And, uh, you know, I was one of those people in life who was never single. Somebody trying to figure out, how did that happen? Yeah, okay. Here's how it happened. I lived at home in the bedroom that I grew up in until the night before I got married. Okay? And I left my mother and my father's home, and I got married, and I started living with my wife, Monica. So I went, kind of went straight from childhood to marriage. Monica can give you the other side of that story. I'm sure there's a very interesting side of that story as well. So here I was, a pastor, starting a, a ministry to, to a group of people that I'd kind of never been in that category, never lived in a dorm, never did any of those sorts of things, that, that usually you do before you get married. Of course, I got married the first, the first Friday after I turned 20, and I only waited that long because I promised my parents I wouldn't get married until I was 20. So uh, there's another whole story behind that one, too. Um, so I started this ministry to single people, and God really blessed the ministry. And uh, three or four years later, I had already trained somebody and put them in place. And uh, we had 75 or 100 singles just coming to to the singles ministry. And uh, it gave me a wonderful opportunity to have a front row seat to the very, very unique opportunities, the very, very special challenges that are present for anyone who's unmarried. Now, it challenged some of the, what shall I say, some of the stereotypes that I might have. And, and part of what I want to do this morning is kind of break down some of some of that. You saw in the in the skit that the the lady who was there on the couch, very very responsible single wouldn't you say? Yeah extremely responsible single and there are many 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 of them in fact we have many very responsible singles who are part of this church um, but unfortunately all, uh, they get sometimes, Kind of swept under the rug when we talk about more of the partying kind of singles. And so um, I did a little statistical research that I thought was, it certainly was most insightful to me, and I wanted to pass it along to you. So I'm going to give you kind of three general observations about single people and single life, okay? Number one, being single is more common than what you and I m- might imagine. In fact, I went to the United States Census Bureau to look up the following statistics and I found out that for people aged 20 to 24, in other words, typical college age young people, 75% of the females had never been married. That was actually a lower percentage than what I thought it might be. And 86% of the guys in that age group have never been married. You move ahead just five years, ages 25 to 29, and the percentages go down very, very significantly. In fact, by that time, just 42% of, of the women have not been married by the time they reach uh, age 29, and 56% of the guys. Now, if you were here last week, you will remember that one of the things I said to teenagers is, boy, you need to be on a vertical learning curve because in the next decade of your life, you're going to make some of the most significant decisions of your life, and most of you will be married by the time you're 28. So within the first 10 years of leaving your parents' home, you're going to be making these huge decisions. And that's true. You move on ahead to age 30, and you'll find out that about 24%, or about one out of every four women, will not have been married, meaning three out of four will be married by that time and 32% of the men will be married by that time. You boil all those figures down, and here's what it means. And by the way, nothing is in those figures about people who have been divorced. Nothing is in those figures about people who have been married and then are widowed through some tragedy that takes place in their family, or those statistics would go up even higher. But what it means is 46% of us, or almost half of us, uh, who are adults over the age of 18... Um, by the time that we're by the time that we're thirty, will not have been married, and about a fourth of us will never marry during our lifetime. Yeah, you know. <laughs> one out of four. Now, so being single is a much more common thing than you might imagine. Here, here's another thing. Uh, general observation number two: most people during. Uh, the course of their adult life, a significant portion of it will be spent single. And this was very revealing to me. In fact, if you just take the the average age at which we get married, for women it's uh, almost 26 years of age, and for men it's uh, 27 years of age. That means that if you leave your parents' home at 18, and you're not going to get married until you're 26 or 27, it means that pretty much the first decade after you leave home, you're going to be single. That's a significant portion of your lifespan as an adult, for sure. And then many of us. One mate will die before the other and so we'll spend another whole portion of our life as single and some of us unfortunately are going to go through divorce and that divorce is going to be followed by a significant time of being single or maybe even the rest of your life as being single. You boil all those statistics down and it means that the average adult among us is going to spend one quarter of his adult life as a single. Now I had an older gentleman that I know got married very young, and he's now um, approaching 80, and he said to me, I'm going to skew those statistics. He said, if I spend a quarter of my adult life single, I'm going to have to live a long time. That's true. There's a few that won't. But the average one of us will spend about a quarter of our adult life being single. Now, here's what I want you to know and understand, and this is observation number three. Even though we do that, most of us really are not well-prepared to live life well as singles. We think about marriage a lot. We talk about marriage a lot. We prepare for marriage a lot. We work on marriage a lot. But the truth is we don't often put a lot of time into preparing ourselves to live well as singles. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about living well as a single, and I want all of us to listen because you never know when this may come into play in your life. It could come into play tomorrow. You just don't know. So let's be prepared to do it well, and let's take a look at this. So what could single people bring to the table. How could they live life well so that the family works well? Well, the first thing I want to say to you is the word family. And like all the other sermons, I'm just going to give you two words. And then we'll break out those two words or those two concepts. So the first concept is the concept of family. What would I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. If you look on, on your program or just at the top of the sheet of notes, you'll notice that we've, we've titled this single a team of what? One. I want you to look at yourself as a family of one. Not just a single person, not just sort of a free radical that floats around and does whatever it wants to do and gets up whenever they want to get up and goes to bed whenever they want to go to bed and spends money whenever they want to spend money and do all that stuff. But I want you to look at yourself as a family. You're just a family of one right now. But it's very important for you to consider yourself as a family unit. Let me give you three illustrations and then I'll give you a scripture that that speaks kind of directly to this. For instance, when it comes to budget, you heard the lady talk about, you know, I've got to work on my financial plan and so forth. It's very important. What would you expect a family to have? Would you not expect a family to have a budget? I would expect a family to have a budget. Wouldn't you expect a family to have a financial plan, something in place so that they could provide for their children and, and 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 the members of the family? Well, guess what? As a family of one, you should care about all the members of your family because that's you. And set up a budget. And set up a financial plan. And begin to get your life financially on solid ground. So many times I see singles and everybody says, Hey, you want to go do? And whatever it is really doesn't make any difference. And you know what they do? They check in their pocket. They check the, the balance on their checking account. Or worse yet, they say, I just got a brand new credit card. Let's go. Whoa, what kind of financial plan is that? What kind of a family would operate that way. But when you begin to look at yourself as a family unit, it begins to change how you look at life. And you can never start that too early. Even to some degree... When you're 18 and you're leaving your home of origin and I know you're anxious to get to college and you're going to live in the dorms and you got a little bit more of the mindset of the teenager we saw last Sunday who went, financial plan? I'm just a teenager. You know, the sooner that you begin to put your feet on solid ground and begin to realize I'm a family of one and I may be a family in the making but for sure I'm a family of one a second area that would be good would be your your schedule or your routine all people who walk the face of planet earth work better in the context of a routine where you have a specific time you go to bed, you have a specific time that you get up, you have specific routines in your life, and you function better if you build and choose that schedule in ways that promote your own health and that promote your own well-being. And when singles view themselves as sort of free radicals that Golly, you know what's great about being a single? I can go to bed whenever I want to, and I can sleep in as long as I want to, and I can get up whenever I want to, as long as I make it to class or make it to work. Everything else is negotiable and, and it just kind of free floats. I can tell you that's a way to burn yourself out in a hurry and fail at everything. When you start to look at yourself as a family of one, you know, everyone in a family recognizes this family has to have a routine we got to have times when we go to bed. We have to have times when we get up. We have to have times, believe it or not, when we clean the house. Yeah, I know. I quit preaching and started meddling, didn't I? Yeah. Just because you're single doesn't mean you have to live in a pigsty. Yeah. Set a regular time that you pick up things. Set a regular time that you do dishes. Set a regular time. You understand what I'm talking about? Start to view yourself as a complete family. Because when you view yourself as a complete family, you start living life in a way that allows you to live it significantly. Let me give you a third illustration. Responsibilities. You know what cracks me up about family get-togethers and church dinners? When we assign out the food... Guess what we always assign to the single people? Chips. You know why we assign that to single people? You can't mess it up. If you could spell Frito-Lay, you got it made. There's another reason why we assign that. And that is because if you have a meal and there's no chips, you still have a main dish. You still have everything else because if they don't come through... I have a challenge for those of you who are single. The next time somebody says, hey, why don't you bring the chips? See, let somebody else bring those. I can do better than that. I'm a family. Give me a main dish. I want to step up to the plate. I want to do something that I put some time and effort and energy into like all the other families who are going to come to this event. It's amazing how when you begin to look at yourself not as just this kind of free-floating single person that just kind of floats their way until somehow maybe someone takes an interest in them and they can get married and then they'll put their feet on the solid ground. It's amazing what happens in your life when you put your feet on the solid ground now. And, and I don't know any other way to do it than to look in the mirror and say, that's a family unit there. I need to start acting like that. In my family of origin, I need to step up to the plate just as much as my married brothers and sisters or whatever else and be a real family contributor and to come on board just like everybody else in my family. Makes a huge difference. Now, I want to tell you the common denominator to all of those things I just talked about and it's the word discipline. I want you to write that in the margin. It's the word discipline take a look at this passage of Scripture. Solomon is the author of the book of Proverbs. And we even use this word today. Oh, that's, that's a great proverb. In other words, it's a short saying that has a lot of wisdom wrapped up in it. And the book of Proverbs is actually a collection of 31 chapters of short sayings that are all about the various issues of life. And it's, it, it, they are sayings of wisdom about all the things that you and I run into every day that are challenges in our life and at the beginning of this book here's how solomon begins it these are the proverbs of solomon david's son king of israel their purpose is to teach people wisdom and what's the next word let's say that word again what's that next word We don't like that word, do we? Okay, but let's underline it anyway because it's a really important thing. Now, he goes on to say to help them understand. Now, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live, what's the next word? Disciplined and what's the next word? Successful lives. I want you to understand that those two are inseparably intertwined. There is no such thing as a successful life without discipline. And the place to begin that is early on in your adult life, before you get married, or even later on in life, if you find yourself single again. I've seen many people who are single again slide into a very undisciplined life. God calls us to discipline. He goes on to say to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple. So even if you feel like life's a little overwhelming at times, Solomon says, pay attention to what I'm saying. Live this disciplined life, and you'll start to gain a wisdom about life, and then also discernment to the young. So the first thing I would say to you is view yourself as a family of one. The second thing I would say to you could be wrapped up in this word, and that's the word service. I was visiting with someone this week, and I don't remember who it was, so if it was somebody in our audience, uh, you'll know. I won't know, all right? But I was visiting with somebody, and we were talking about life in general, and they were asking some questions, and I said to them this, if you show me a happy person, I guarantee you it will be somebody who's investing their life as a volunteer in some cause that's unselfish and outside of themselves. That's what it takes to be happy. It will not be somebody who's, who's continually buying toys and trying to find a way to play with new toys. It will not be somebody who sits around and tells everybody to do things for them like they're the big cheese. Those people are never happy. They're always... Haven't you ever noticed that demanding people are never happy? They're just miserable because they haven't learned that the secret to happiness in life is found in giving your life away, in blessing other people and helping other people. That's why it's so great to have the people from Rwanda here. And you guys have a wonderful opportunity to go out there and to sponsor a child and even take a small step in giving your life away to someone maybe you'll never meet on this earth, or maybe you will. But whether you do or you don't, I'll guarantee you, It'll be more fun and easier to write that check than it will be to write the check to PG&E. Yeah. Or even your next car payment. Because there's a joy that comes in giving your life away. You remember the story that Bob told you this morning about the guy whose buddy jumped on the hand grenade and he spent, what was his name, Michael Cunningham, I think. He spent the rest of his life honoring his good buddy, Alan Green I think it's no coincidence that Michael became teacher of the year. Because you know something? When the goal of your life is to honor someone else, you perform to standards you might not perform to if it was all about you. That's just the way God wired us up. And he did it that way so that you and I would know the joy of, of serving each other. Now, if God wired you up so that you could be happy and be selfish, can you imagine how miserable this world would be? Yeah. We'd all be doing our own things and we'd just let everybody else go to hell. We wouldn't care. As long as we were happy. The bottom line is God's wired us up to where we're not made to take the journey of life alone. We're made to take it together. And even as single people, we're still made to take the journey of life with other people. Giving our lives away in selfless service. Now one of the unique opportunities you have as a single person is a thing called discretionary time. You have a far greater degree of discretionary time than people who are married. In fact, the Bible actually speaks to this. Take a look here in 1 Corinthians 7. Paul writes and says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work, thinking how to please Him, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. All the married men said? (laughs) That's absolutely, what did I say to you a few weeks ago? Mama ain't happy. What's the rest of it? You better be spending time thinking about how you can please your wife. Absolutely. And the Bible recognizes that and says when you made that choice to become married, you gave away a large chunk of your discretionary time and you now give it to the person that you chose to be married to. And that's a good thing and a great thing, but it does cut down on your discretionary time. He goes on to say, His interests are divided, and in the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord wholly in body and in spirit, but a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Okay, so what does that mean? Whether you're single now in your your young years, single as a middle person, or single even in your old age, the deal is you have discretionary time. The only question is, what are you going to do with it? The time that at one point you put into your marriage, but now you're no longer married, what are you going to do with that time? Well, the challenge that God would give to you, and the challenge I want to pass along to you this morning, is take that time and do something unselfish with it. Invested in a cause that's unselfish. Invested in a cause that's greater than just satisfying yourself or pampering yourself. Invested in a cause, God forbid, that even requires some sacrifice on your part. And watch what happens to your happiness level. You see, the word I'm really giving to you is the word volunteer. Become a volunteer. Volunteer in our children's ministry. Volunteer to be a greeter. Volunteer as a part of our prayer ministry. Volunteer for the Red Cross in town or the Salvation Army. Volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. Do Volunteer at the local hospital. Volunteer Become a volunteer down at the police station. There's all sorts of places in our community that you can get involved and volunteer, but do something with that discretionary time other than saying, Oh, more time for me. Because it's in that volunteering, that you're going to find real significance and purpose in life. The second word I want to talk to you about is the word commitment. That's a part of this. You know, when I was developing that singles ministry and I was interviewing single people and I was working with single people, I I can't tell you how many times I could sum up their life in this one phrase, I'm keeping my options Can I tell you that's the curse of single people? It is. And you think sometimes it's a blessing. It's a curse. I'll tell you how it's a curse. Because it keeps you isolated from the rest of society. It keeps you on the outside looking in. Because you always want to keep your options open. We do a work party at the church. And we try to get people to sign up and so forth. They don't want to sign up. Why don't they want to sign up? Because God knows that maybe on that Friday night, a whole bunch of people might want to go bowling or might want to go to a movie. And if I've already signed away my option, I'll miss out on going and seeing the latest and greatest movie. So guess what happens? They don't sign. And then that night... There's no great movie and no one's going to go bowling. So 12 of them show up at the church building to work. But we don't have supplies lined up to keep those extra 12 people busy. And we don't have food lined up for those extra 12 people. And now everybody's life around them is in chaos and they think, Why? I showed up. Didn't you want people? It's the concept of commitment. Now, Stay with me here for just a minute. When we make commitments, it's what forces us to be disciplined. When I was preparing this sermon, Bob said to me, going to give him that age-old statement, better to be single and wish you were married than be married and wish you were single? (laughs) That's another whole sermon, all right? (laughs) But you know something? I'm going to tell you something that a lot of married people will never tell you, and I apologize right up front. It doesn't sound really romantic. It's just true, okay? There's never been a person who's been married for any length of time that at some point in time in there didn't look at life and go, man, there would be parts of this easier if I was not married. But you know something? There are things that I do. There are things that I did just yesterday that if I were not married, I might not have had the self discipline to do. But because I'm married to Monica, I found amazing abilities to do them. And that's not really a statement about Monica. It's the commitment that I made 37 years ago that sometimes drives me to be who and what I should be. Now, for those of us who are single or single again, it's still the commitments that we make that motivate us to live disciplined lives. So I'm saying to you, don't only volunteer but commit yourself as a volunteer. It's one of the best it's one of the best things you can do for your life. Now what is it that I've learned as a married person out of this? Simply this. I recognize that chances are even though I didn't start out single, chances are at some point in time I may find myself single in this life. I made a commitment to myself and to the Lord that should that ever take place in my life, I would view myself as a family of one and that I would take the discretionary time, the, the greater discretionary time that I now had, and I would find ways to invest it in causes outside myself. Because I can tell you this, no matter what portion of my life I spend as a single, I want to be successful in it. There's no portion of my life I want to throw away. There's no portion of my life I just want to play away and act as if it's worth nothing. I want all of my life to count. Now take a look at one passage as we close. The Bible says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. And I want you to read the last statement out loud with me. Would you read? Let's begin reading. Ready? Making the most of every opportunity. Let's read it one more time. Making the most of every opportunity. That's God's challenge to you. That's God's challenge to me. Whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're single again, or whether we'll never be single, it's, it's God's challenge that we would make the most of every opportunity. Would you pray with me? Father... Would you take the words that you've showed us today from, from, from your instructions and would you enable us to put them into our lives so that we, those of us who are single, might look at ourselves as a, as a real family unit, that we can step up to the plate And we can put into place a good financial plan, and that we can have a good schedule that would allow us to live a disciplined life, and that we could step up to the plate and be really responsible uh, in the way that every other family is. And then, Lord, would you help us to take that extra discretionary time that we have in this chapter of our life and give it away, commit it away in volunteer service to causes that are greater than ourselves? Hopefully, Lord to causes that are close to your heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.